Hello and welcome to Crime Time FM. I'm Paul Burke and I write about crime fiction. And this is the April and May Review Show. Now there's an awful lot of titles here. That's because, of course, it's two months reading. So I'm going to be pithy, but I hope at the same time I'll be able to convey some of the feeling I had for the books and give you an idea what they're about. I'll make sure all the books are listed in the program notes so you can check them out if you are interested. I'm going to pretty much cover the whole genre today, so I hope there's something here that you really fancy. So no long introductions, let's just get on with it. Well, first up is one of those books that just does what it says on the tin. Dark Horizon by James Swallow, available from today, 25th of May. Fans will know that Swallow is always value for money in the high-octane thriller stakes. And this is another breakneck speed read. It's all about the entertainment, but he manages to touch on zeitgeisty topics that hit the raw nerve too. So it's all around an incident at an RAF base in Akrotiri, Cyprus, a car crash in the English countryside with a murder, and a rendition flight. And that all introduces us to a character called Kate Hood, a pilot flying one last mission, a clandestine op for the CIA and the Secret Service's MI5. They claim the passenger is a terrorist, but is he? Kate and the people she loves are now in danger. The action takes place in the air, at sea, and on the land. And there really is plenty of it to keep the pages turning. So the big question is, will Kate make it through? The ticking clock? The fizzing plot? This really should be another hot hit for Swallow. A more literary spy thriller comes in the form of The Man in the Corduroy Suit from James Wolfe, which is published by Bitter Lemon Press and it's available now. Wolfe, a pen name, writes with an insider's authority and knowledge. When Wolfe's first novel, Beside the Syrian Sea, was published in 2018, it ushered in a fresh and original voice in British spy fiction. The trilogy, because this is the third part, are connected by the theme of betrayal and loyalty, both personal and organisational. It's about country, it's about friends, lovers and colleagues. The motives of the spy have been scrutinised in fiction since Le Carre. They're complex and various, but Wolfe has brought a fresh insight into what makes a spy tick, reflecting on whistleblowers, Robin Hood spies and serial leakers, and linking some of those motives to very modern forms of spying. The backdrop for the man in the corduroy suit is the growing and disturbing influence and interference of Russia in British politics and elections. A retired MI5 officer, Willa Carlson, is murdered, and it looks like a Russian poisoning. Leonard Flood is told to investigate, swiftly and quietly, but a complex past emerges. Can a betrayal be an act of loyalty or love? A chance discovery opens a Pandora's box. This final piece of the triptych is a sharp observation of human character, frailty and strength. It throws further light on the first two stories, and though it can be read as a standalone, the trilogy is more than the sum of its parts, a really fitting end to a superb series of spy stories. A Nuclear Reaction by David Beckler is the third Antonio Conti thriller. Beckler's latest vision of dystopian London is disturbing and gritty. This time, journalist Antonio Conti becomes involved with political corruption when a story no one else will touch is brought to her by another journalist. As she begins to unpick the conspiracy, that journalist, Rick Granger, vanishes. Together with her pal D.I. Russell Chapman, Antonia risks her life, crossing dangerous and powerful people in the hope of finding Rick alive. I have to say these stories are growing on me. I like it that the central theme is corruption. And perhaps it just took me a while to get immersed in this old London that Beckler has created, and that I didn't feel so comfortable with in the first novel. Now I feel the darkness calling to me, and I'm ready to embrace it. 
The plot is genuinely relevant and scary. Published by Thomas and Mercer and paperback original. And available now. The Last Songbird by Daniel Wiseman is published by Melville House in paperback. And I have to say it's an exceptional neo-noir. LA's populated with people who haven't made it in the film business. Among them is Adam Zantz, a Lyft driver who uses his taxi to escape life's failures and the criticism of his loved ones. He ferries people around the city, and as he does so, he writes songs in his head. His favourite passenger is Annie Lind, an old folk legend, a woman who gives him the time of day. When Annie is murdered, Adam turns detective to solve the crime, not least because as far as the police are concerned, he's in the frame for the murder. The thing is, though, Adam isn't really hard-boiled, and he's probably not ready for what he finds either, because as he digs into Annie's life, he soon discovers the public image is just the surface. Annie has secrets and enemies. Life is complex, and Adam is now in it up to his neck. This has that great hard-boiled feel, and a little piece of knowing to the storytelling. At times it's very witty, but it's also incredibly sensitive and poignant. A really entertaining read. All the World's a Stage by Guy Hale is the third book in the comeback trail. Killing Me Softly, the first, showed that you can have fun with a serial killer. A fading singer-songwriter, Jimmy Wayne, resurrects his career, but leaves a graveyard full in the Nevada desert in the process. Nuancing and adapting the story in Blood on the Tracks, Jimmy hits the high spots of Vegas and L.A. Now in All the World's a Stage, he's taken on Europe. With a mobster for a manager whose mum may well be the craziest of all the characters, and an upset British gangster on his tail, Jimmy manages to cross paths with the French, Spanish and other European hoods as well. All the while the death of his lover and the subsequent murders weigh on Jimmy. The storytelling remains very funny and natural, but Hale's style is maturing nicely. This is pulp fiction for grown-ups. For me the comeback trail is a perfect palate cleanser. I like that dark side, but I like a laugh too, and this is it. Published by White Fox in paperback. And back to the spy world for a game of deceit by Tim Glister, which is the third in the Richard Knox thriller series. This time it's set in London and Hong Kong in 1967. A rusty Knox is back on operational duty after a year out. There's a nod to Len Dayton as Knox tries to protect British scientist Dr Hamish Raab from kidnap. The powers that be are in fear for the brain drain. Unfortunately, this surveillance job ends badly. But it does lead to some revelations. Meanwhile, an overzealous sailor who asks one too many questions is murdered on a cargo ship in Cyprus. MI5 boss Holland sends Knox to Hong Kong. The organisation has been infiltrated, presumably by the Russians, but maybe the Chinese have something to do with it. Knox is tasked with finding the traitor. Hong Kong's a turmoil at this time. China is stirring up anti-British sentiment. And Glister explores a lesser-known event in this period. I'm glad to say that old friends Irina Valera and Abby Bennett put in a welcome appearance. This is a lively, stylish pop thriller and an intriguing spy story. Published by Point Blank in paperback original. A Brutal Tide by Kate Rhodes is the sixth D.I. Ben Kitto Silly Isles mystery. A body turns up at a Neolithic burial site on Briar, but it's only been there 20 years. The investigation becomes personal for Ben as it could be connected to his dead father. Even more troubling, Ben's past in the Met comes back to haunt him as a dying gangster he put away sends his daughter on a revenge mission. It's a close-circle, police-procedural, psychological novel. It's intriguing and well-crafted, 
Rhodes' other life as a poet is not lost on her crime writing. Published by Simon & Schuster and available now. Unsolved is a promising debut novel by Heather Critchlow. In 1986 in the Scottish Highlands, a young woman called Layla rides her horse out of the stables, never to be seen again. In the present, podcaster Cal Lovett is struggling with family issues and the memory of his sister who went missing when they were children. Then, because of his true crime Finding Justice podcast, he's invited to meet the woodland killer, Marc Dubois. He's prepared to talk about what he's done for the first time. Cal winds up investigating Layla's story, and it's a way of dealing with his sister's disappearance, but it leads him down some very dark alleys. Cal's personal story is heartfelt, and the setting is both well-realised and haunting. Is there any redemption to be had? Published by Canelo in paperback. Following the brilliant Garden of Angels, David Hewson sticks with Venice for the Medici murders, a new series featuring Brit archivist Arnold Clover. An unpleasant British TV historian has been killed. The murder by Stiletto is reminiscent of Lorenzino de Medici's demise in 1548. The Carabinieri think that Clover can help them with the case. There's a good sense of place, and this is an intriguing opener for a series. Lighter than Garden of Angels, so probably more for cosier fans, who will take Clover to heart. Published by Canongate in paperback. Kjell offers a tougher take on history, exploring complicity, collaboration and resistance in Norway and Sweden during World War II. The Lazarus Solution, translated by Don Bartlett, is a companion novel to The Courier and The Assistant. Steeped in the kind of history that no one wants to talk about the labyrinthine politics of occupied Europe. It's 1943, and a Norwegian free government courier is killed on a mission between Sweden and Norway. Jomar Krabi is sent to investigate. Kai Fredli, brother of a dead Nazi collaborator, is top of the suspect list. Chilling and insightful, this is an entertainment that also enlightens. Published by Arenda in paperback. Altogether more jolly is Marco Malvaldi's wicked comic novel, Foul Deeds and Fine Dining, a Pellegrino Artusi mystery. The chef is celebrating his successful new cookbook at the castle of a wealthy entrepreneur, Secundo Gazzolo, when a guest is murdered. This is the inglorious bad taste, a very clever locked room mystery, it's tongue-in-cheek, and it riffs on Agatha Christie. It's really an awful lot of fun, translated by Howard Curtis and published by Maclow's Press in hardback. More dark crazy humour, this time in a modern setting, with Scorch Grey by Margot Dway. Many a proto-detective has a kink, but Sister Holiday is a smoking, drinking, drug-taking, tattooed nun who also happens to be a lesbian, currently teaching at a New Orleans Catholic school during a spell of piety and contemplation. A fire in which she rescues one student sees another die and that happened shortly after the caretaker appeared to fall to his death. More arson follows. The police are suspicious of Sister Holiday, and now she's on the case, it's a matter of self-preservation. This is really funny, original, and with a truly unforgettable protagonist. Published by Pushkin Vertigo, in paperback. Heavyweight Martin Crew Smith brings us a new Arcady Renko novel, Independent Square. Renko's featured in ten novels, and this is certainly the best since 1980's Gorky Park. The Moscow detective won't stay out of trouble, but he is feeling his age, and he's been losing touch with Zenya, his adoptive son, and he's parted from his girlfriend Tatyana. This is all in the run-up to the Russian invasion of the Ukraine, 
The fictional president has only one opponent, and that man is being threatened, most likely by the president's men, of course. When a friend's daughter, a supporter of the challenger, goes missing, Arkady Renko investigates. And although he finds her, one of her friends is murdered. As Renko confronts criminals, mercenaries, and the Russian government, things get very sticky for Renko and the people around him. This is truly relevant, and it carries something of the darkness of these times, and is certainly a welcome return for Renko. Published by Simon & Schuster in hardback. Two novels now from Mark Dawson, The Atticus Priest Mysteries, set in the West Country, in a new edition by Welbeck in paperback. The House in the Woods, originally published in 2020, and A Place to Bury Strangers from the following year. In the former, four deaths on a farm go down as a murder-suicide, until DCI Mackenzie Jones thinks the survivor, Ralph Malander, might be the killer. Priest is brought in to find out the truth. In the second, a human bone leads to a macabre discovery of a killer using a gravesite on MOD land to bury their victims. Mac and Atticus have a history, and they make a really good pairing in these novels. I really like the characters, and both of these mysteries grip me. A couple of British regional mysteries that really are worth taking a look at. And again back to the world of spies, this time for The Devil's Bargain by former MI5 DG Stella Remington, best known for her Liz Carlyle series. The Devil's Bargain is a standalone. It's 1988. Harry Bristow is a customs agent, checking sailors from Eastern Europe off and then back onto their ships. He winds up pocketing a bribe to let one man stay in Britain. A few years later, he sees that man on the streets of Liverpool, now called Peter Robinson, and about to run for Parliament. The KGB no longer operate the sleeper program that brought the man to the UK in the first place, but as Harry tries to figure out how to bring down Robinson without ending his own career and winding up in jail, someone in Moscow thinks Robinson could still be very useful to them. This is a really interesting peek at the Cold War and the early post-Cold War period, and has hints of how we got to where we are today. It's a literate and well-written thriller published by Bloomsbury in paperback. Killing Moon by Jon is the 13th Harry Huller mystery, translated by Sean Kinsella, and it's a gripping read. I'm not usually a fan of serial killer fiction, but this is genuinely a class act. Harry is in LA, and he acquires the responsibility for a damsel in distress. He takes on a case back in Norway, working to clear a wealthy man the police think is a killer of young girls, in order to earn some money to pay off the, the woman's debts. Dealing with his own demons, and an ingenious killer who has Harry in their crosshairs, this is an unputdownable read, even at 500 pages. Published by Harville Secker in hardback. Alex Khan Until Death is another reissue from 2020, a book I missed at the time, and it's published by Hero Books this time round. Millie has just got married to Oscar Hyatt, and realises it was a terrible mistake. The rich heir isn't who she thought he was. Then their car is rammed in Istanbul on honeymoon, and a couple are kidnapped. Weeks later, Millie is murdered in London, and Oscar is still missing. His father's business interests and her old boyfriend come under suspicion. D.S. Mumtaz Mumi Khan investigates. It's an interesting case to open a new series. Mumi, who has rejected her religious upbringing, works for Sarah, who has converted to Islam. They're an intriguing pair of characters, capable of leading an interesting police procedural series. I look forward to more in the future. And finally, and I say last but not least, Skin Deep by Antonia Lassa, translated from the Spanish by Jackie Collins. This tale is elegantly boned back to the heart. Every word counts. It's about reading between the lines. Beyond Inspector Canon 
is sure the right man is behind bars for the murder of an eccentric old widow in a Biarritz flat. But the accused has friends, and they hire a lawyer-turned-PI called Latin to investigate. It leads back to Paris and a gruesome killer. Chilling, visceral, and emotionally draining. This is exactly what I want from a crime novel. Published in paperback by Coralus Books. I know that's a lot of books in a short space of time, but I hope I was able to give you something of the flavour of the titles that I covered. Apologies for any terrible pronunciations of the foreign names I used in this broadcast. I'll be back with another show next month, and in the meantime, of course, there'll be the one-to-one interviews. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate and subscribe with your favourite podcast provider. But for now, thank you very much for listening. I hope you found something you really like, and bye for now.